everyone. Today we've got the third biggest winner on the UK all-time money list. Uh, he's gone through a couple transformations of sorts from being a, uh, a bit on the shy side to conquering that and to being from going almost broke to pretty much winning it all. Guys, please welcome Ben Heath. Hi. Yeah, thanks for having me. Are you still shy, Ben? Uh, I am still, I am still pretty shy. Uh, not as much as I was when I started poker or in school. Uh, oh, okay. Which I, I, mean, I think poker helped a lot. So, how did poker help a lot? Uh, I mean, I've been playing live poker mostly for the last like six, seven years. So I guess it's just like a lot of interacting with people that you don't know uh and then i think there's just something like i didn't have a great time at school uh which is maybe where some of the shyness came from mm -hmm. and like i think doing well in a field just has some benefits of like being more comfortable yeah uh, I could see all that being true. I mean, poker does kind of... Uh, one interesting thing about poker is it kind of makes people mingle with each other, whereas in school, when things are too open-ended, nothing really happens, and this isn't just the case with things socially, but when... kind of when doing anything, there needs to be some kind of direction. But anyway, let's talk a bit about uh, your poker situation, because it seems like you've... Um, well, now you've won over 12 and a half... Uh, million winnings and you've been kind of killing tournament poker uh, I understand you you had a mathematics degree and then um, somehow transitioned to poker I don't know a whole lot about that and then went from going almost broke to kind of being being all these high stakes why don't you tell us about our, your journey a little bit yeah so I did maths at uni uh, was playing like small amount during university but didn't really have time for much else um, mm -hmm. and was just playing low stakes after university started playing more like quite quickly mm -hmm. decided I would rather try that than go into the kind of usual routes after doing mathematics and then started playing a lot with Charlie Carroll mm -hmm. uh, who was already playing significantly higher than me when I met him and then, yeah, from there, I think things just went quite quickly. After I met him, ended up moving up quite fast. I mean, it felt quite slow at the time, I think. But I was, I was looking yesterday, and I think it was relatively fast at the start from going from, like, the micro stakes to, I guess, like, mid-high stakes. I don't know what 25Ks count as. They count as high stakes. Most uh, people are going to say, if you're playing 25Ks, that's high stakes. I mean, they're not super high stakes, but... Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, you have to be pretty rich to play 25Ks. So it turns so, out, yeah, I, especially with the math. Uh, yeah, I, I'm aware they're at least like, you know, I'm aware they're high stakes in that sense, just with everything these days of there being like, you know, multiple buy-in levels above. Um but yeah, I think it was like a year 
of between like playing my first live tournament and playing the first 25k live um that, that's fast that's fast that's actually really fast and then yeah another maybe two years before playing the 1500s so did like charlie help you a lot like what what made you how did you uh move up so fast uh i mean i didn't go up this fast myself and i it was fast for me i mean compared to this uh, alternative mathematics career uh you could say you skyrocketed to wealth in fact like it'd be pretty hard to do anything of equivalence in mathematics for example uh yeah i mean for me i think the alternate was like going into finance uh more than doing anything academic oh okay um even there by the way it's also like nigh impossible yeah one year what, so, what happened what was the magic i mean one year after my first live tournament so there was the year before that of like playing online and uh live cash and stuff with charlie but but yeah i mean charlie helped a lot at the start where you know it was kind of different back then when it was pre-solvers so I think I'm actually more suited to learning the solver way if I have to learn on my own. Uh, whereas I think Charlie was very suited to just learning on his own. He just like learns by playing and thinking about it. So for me, like having him at that time was very helpful and the fact that he you know i think i was like when i met him i was playing five cents ten cents zoom like just starting and he was playing five ten so you know it's quite easy to progress through the stakes when you have someone who's beat every stake that you're looking to beat <laughs> like you know ten stakes between mine and his and he's just beat everyone it obviously makes it a lot easier to progress so it sounds like good advice for beginners is to find a high stakes friend and just learn from them. Is that what you're saying? If if it is possible to move in with someone who is playing high stakes already, it is a good way to do it. All right. That's pretty uh, actionable advice. It's easy to do. <laughs> so um, apparently you almost went broke. Like, What kind of numbers are we talking about with almost going broke? What does that mean? Because that can mean a few different things. Uh, did you have like 1 million roll and it went to like what, like 100k or like something? No, like, that? like I, I went, I only went broke of like, I mean, I went broke when at times where I had recently been broke and it was like smaller amounts. I think once I got over 100k, I never went broke. Like, I had 100k and lost more than half of it once or twice, but I lost like 20 or 30k twice. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I think I think there's an interview of me saying that, and I just meant that. Like my first time where I got to 20k, I went to Bahamas for PCA and came back with like 200 dollars or something. Oh, okay, yeah, that's and then just went Is back. That... To... I mean that's kind of intense. What did that teach you anything? Like, uh, was that was that like was it useful or was it all just pain? What are we talking about here? Transformation. I, I mean, at the time, it didn't feel too bad in the sense that Charlie was like I was traveling with Charlie at the time, and we were still living together and playing together a lot. 
and he was just very aggressive with his bankroll management and I was going the same route and I think we both kind of had the view of we were beating online and live cash so you could make it back so it was just like okay let's go and see gamble with this money maybe we bink something and if we don't we can just like carry on it, it wouldn't change much anyway you know you just like go back and you're still playing the same games online uh that i didn't need that much money to play yeah no big deal just lost all your money like just win it back no problem <laughs> yeah i mean i think at the time there was maybe some like over optimistic uh confidence in <laughs> like how easy it would be to make it back well, things were different back then. You know, there was a lot more games. I mean, to go from... I mean, to get to 20... Well, I don't know, actually, how hard it would be to get to 20k, but, like, the whole grind from, like, zero does not sound, like, fun at all. Uh, just having to drop down. But it was very liquid. I remember that. Yeah, I mean, it, it was definitely... I mean, I don't, I don't know, actually, how hard or easy it would be these days. Um, but at the time... You know, it wasn't even like I needed the twenty k back either. Like, yeah, you'd like you'd like to be at your previous high point, but like, you know, at the time it was just like, I want to play poker every day, and I want to get better at poker, and the like gambling was a fun part of it too. So you know, I could have come back from Bahamas with more than the twenty, and that just happened to be one of the times that I came back with a lot less, and then we just went back to what we were doing before. Okay, fair enough. Because uh, when you're young, you don't need 20k. I mean, I think it's like probably been helpful those those times of being slightly detached. I think, I guess you would agree, it's kind of necessary to play high stakes to be somewhat detached from the money when you're playing. Well, it's necessary for. You mean to be, it's necessary to be detached if you're playing high stakes? Yeah. I presume is what yeah. you mean. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you could say that they're mostly detached. Yeah. Yeah. I would I, say I mean, that's true. Like, if you aren't detached, you're always thinking about how much money it is and what you can do with it. I don't know. I've never had those kinds of problems. But also, it's never really affected my quality of life. Like, who cares if you need to buy, like, a car, whatever you do with Sure. It the money a new apartment or invested it's not so necessary um you uh, i uh, i've read that you worked with elliot Rowe. was that on um on dealing with downswings or what was that uh with what kind of stuff did you learn from dealing with him it actually wasn't about downswings it was um it was pretty much all personal stuff in the end. Like I, oh. I contacted him. I had been pushed by some friends to get therapy uh, during a time that I was not very happy, and I had kind of struggled to want to, I guess, and also struggled when I finally put the effort in. I was told by two therapists in London that they only saw people in person and regularly and obviously traveling like nine months a year for poker that doesn't really work 
so I ended up thinking like you know an in-between would be that would be you know someone who is in poker and maybe also would be able to help with like personal things and then we could talk about poker and like as it related to that uh but then we did the first session where he asks you know just i had to describe different aspects of my life and i thought i would get to pick which ones we focused on but he just needed a whole picture so i just kind of said hey like there's these things i'm not very happy about and then like here's poker and here's what I'd like to work on, like poker confidence. And he just kind of overrode that and was like, no, we focus on these things because that's more important. So we ended up doing like a few different sessions. We did some on like bullying when I was younger. Uh, we did a couple of sessions on drinking. I had some not so great habits with drinking at the time um so all stuff that ended up helping a lot in poker but was like very little of it at that at the beginning was directly related to poker since then oh, really? we've, we've had some more we've had a like some more poker sessions since then but uh yeah when i first approached him it was kind of six or seven sessions in a row that were just all personal life which I didn't so he did. Um, so, um, do you want to talk about those personal things? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, one of them. So the two I said was bullying from school and drinking. Yeah. Um, and then the third one was a breakup from around the time I started poker that I was not dealing very well with. Mm -hmm. um, and and had been a long time. It was like three or four years later. So, uh, and was still having a pretty hard time about it. So, you know, I would have been the first to admit as well that something was you know off or needed looking into. Um, so yeah, I think we did kind of three sessions on the breakup, two on the bullying, two on the drinking, uh, and they were. Yeah, they were very helpful actually, like way more helpful than I would have expected. Oh, really? Uh, I, I will say I had a, I had a session with him about a breakup of sorts, and it was very helpful. I was like surprised at how effective it was. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it, there, it seems like there was something to this hypnosis stuff. It reminded me a lot of um what's the word it's a certain kind of meditation like guided meditation yeah somehow i guess that's what you worked on or is that what you did um yeah. and and you and you found it that it actually broke your like broke some bad habits of like drinking and dealing with emotional problems from bullying in the past is is that what happened or am i yeah i mean the some of it i think was just kind of closure mm -hmm. um so putting things in the past like I, I don't think even things where I didn't have bad habits from them it would just affect me in terms of 
you know, regularly having sad days or something and me not being quite sure where those feelings were coming from. Um, and just putting that behind me and it not being a part of my life or something that I really think about anymore. Um, oh, okay. I don't know what your experience was. With, uh, you said you just had one session with him. Is that... Well, um, he's very expensive. Uh, I'm working with someone that... On, I had this idea that... Uh, well, the whole idea of a performance coach... Uh, you know, I, I had him on my podcast and it hit me like, wait, why? I was looking for something that would uh, help me to uh, optimize my performance and everything. And I thought... And I, and I realized as I was talking, I'm like, oh, here's this guy right in front of me. I should probably uh, give this a shot. So I've been working with someone uh, that that works with him um, and apparently what he's done has amazing results. So I've been really curious in that area. And then I had a couple issues myself. One was what we talked about. Um, that was the major one, I guess small. I had like smaller ones, I guess, but I was like very perfectionistic. Uh, and yeah, I, um, and I didn't meet him before you, got very uh, well-known and famous. Yeah, um, well, I don't know. Maybe he paid, like, the full price, but it's, like, it's really expensive these days. So I was just going to ask whether you had the same... So I remember when I had one of the sessions, he said to me that sometimes you won't feel anything or any difference for a few days. And I remember, like, I was not skeptical of him specifically i was just skeptical in general of other people helping me as much as that uh, like of whether it i thought that it kind of had to come from me more um Meaning what? i was just skeptical of how effective therapy would be in terms of having a few sessions with someone uh well hypnotherapy specifically not just hypnotherapy therapy like at the time i I don't know whether skeptical or whether that's just like bias because I didn't want to talk to someone about these things. So maybe yeah. convince myself that it wouldn't, you know, is probably more likely that. Um, okay. But then, yeah, he told me that it might be a few day delay before anything happened. And I remember after one of the sessions thinking like that did nothing. Uh, and then about three days later, suddenly feeling pretty different about like my emotional attachment to the events we spoke about in the session i don't know if you had similar similar experience i i felt something immediately different but i i when i did something with him i was already like feeling terrible uh i just happened to be in one of those moods and i felt as though like there was like a barrier created in my mind uh is the best way to describe it which was unusual for me i was like a bit different but it was like a bit of like inner resistance i guess you could say um hey, one thing i know about therapy is that it's it's a bit of a tricky subject um but if you're going if whoever's going to do not just you but anyone who's going to do therapy you have to find a good therapist because a lot of them will like not really do anything yeah um yeah. whereas like it's important to somehow balance making it comfortable and somehow also um somehow also like confront issues that are 
you know, deep inside, which is seems like a tricky thing to do, to balance both of those somehow. Whereas you can like easily piss someone off by getting too confrontational. You can like miss with your uh, your accusations or just hit some like uh, sensitive part pretty easily, or you can easily do the opposite, just not really like waste someone's time, kind of thing. Yeah, so, I, I agree. I mean, it, it seems like an incredibly hard thing to do. Uh, I think that's one of the things that makes me skeptical of it too in terms of not as a profession but in terms of how likely I was to find someone who actually worked for me uh, I think I was quite lucky in that regard to you know kind of stumble yeah, on yeah. the first person I <laughs> tried was actually really good for me because I have friends who have you know tried three people and had nothing and you know their fourth or fifth has finally worked but that's a lot of you know it takes a lot of perseverance to keep going to people who aren't working for you mm -hmm. no for sure I could see that being a challenging process for some people um, especially like these days at least there's some kind of outlet for getting over internal problems these days um, I want to ask about uh, it seems like you lost interest in poker uh, like in 2018 or so after you had like a big win oh no no I think it was before you had a big win. Uh, yeah. What happened uh, in these periods? Because it's kind of funny to like lose interest in poker and then have a big winning year. Maybe you like, won some money and <laughs> felt better about it or something. Uh, was that like from when you... I'm just trying to think of the, the timing. Like you said I lost interest. Was that from an interview or from like, like a gap in Hendon or something? I think it must have been from an interview. Uh, 2018. Yeah, I think... Oh, yeah. Okay. I mean, I think... So... 2018 didn't go very well for me. And I think at the time I'd been a bit distracted by some stuff outside of poker... And was like, you know, I, I think I've had most of my career really wanting to play. And that year just was the time I felt least motivated. And then that was reflecting in results and study too. And I think by the end of 2018... I had one or two trips that I just thought I didn't play very well. Um, oh. And I think it was a kind of both affecting the other, where I lost mm -hmm. the motivation being distracted from things outside of poker, and then that makes you worse at poker, which makes me slightly less interested in poker. Uh, and then... But yeah, I ended up just deciding that I didn't want to keep going that way and I took like three months off live poker to just stay home and study. Um, oh. And then things went... So then I think that was when I had the then winning year was... Because that was early 2019. I think like from February to April or something, I just didn't play. And then I started again in Monte Carlo maybe for EBT to do like the summer stretch of Monte Carlo, Canada and then World Series. And yeah, things went pretty well after that. So you uh, 
feel like there's got to be like a Monte Carlo dream because it's such a notorious place for gambling. Um, it's the funny thing, although I don't really hear that many stories about it. You always hear about like Vegas stories or people going to Vegas to try to get rich, but not Monte Carlo. I don't really understand it, even though it's got like this like super old casino. Maybe no one ever really went big in Monte Carlo. I don't know. I mean, I feel like it's so expensive that maybe it's the place you go to gamble once you're already rich. You know, uh, it, it doesn't it doesn't have the Vegas appeal of like go with a hundred dollars and try to spin it up over like a crazy weekend. It's just uh, like you yeah. can't go with a hundred dollars. You can't afford it. If you go with a hundred dollars, you can't even afford a drink. So, oh, <laughs> yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Well, it looks like you did. Um, you you had a downward spiral, and then you studied, and then and then started winning and winning. Is that uh, an accurate uh, recollection of events? Yeah, basically. Uh, I think I think it was the time as well when I'd been kind of, you know, starting to use solvers before then, but maybe but like nowhere near to the extent that most people are now. And there were more and more of the people in the high stakes games using mm -hmm. them a lot or exclusively for study. And I think that was the period as well where I realized that, or not realized as if it's right, but like my opinion changed to that that was the way to go. And those three months was a lot of catching up on that. I, um, I had sort of a similar thing happen, except it was in 2015 when uh, I had quite a lot of losses. I mean, I had no choice, really, to be honest. But I uh, I finally hit the solvers in 2015 while I was on a quite a big downswing. And everything from there changed. Uh, that was Right after that, I hit a, quite a big upswing. But I think there was, like, some, some uh, magic or whatever going on. Uh, like, I think there was quite some luck as well how these things tend to go. Uh, I know, well, Charlie doesn't like the solvers so much. Uh, or, or he doesn't, doesn't appear to. I don't know what yeah. he's doing. He doesn't like to use them specifically, I guess is what it is. Do you ever, uh, I'm curious, have you ever delved into the to the spiritual side of things, into the, uh, the mythical realms at all? Or are you all math and logic? Uh, maybe Charlie I, took you I, down uh, it took you down that road yeah I mean a little bit there were some some excursions but uh, mostly I would say I mean definitely you know as far as poker goes a lot of math and logic with I mean I'm still a pretty big believer in live poker stuff that you know people give away a lot more than people think uh not necessarily sure. in the highest games but in most of poker uh yeah if you mean like you mean in poker or in life the spiritual stuff either more uh, in life though in poker I don't, it's hard to say uh there is definitely curiosity there. Um, Maybe a mystical quest or two? I have a feeling there will be. Maybe after poker. At the moment, I spend a lot of my time on poker. 
and I feel like quests might be quite consuming. Yeah. Uh, I feel like you may have some experience with that. Uh, they can be a bit, not that much. I mean, like, what? Uh, you don't have, like, a few days to go to... to... wherever, or a week to go to wherever. I'm going um, on one shortly for a week to Guatemala. Yeah. We'll Sounds... see if that yields anything. I mean, it doesn't take that long. I don't know. What are you like? Yeah, I mean, a week. Uh, a week, a week seems fine if there's no, like, aftermath. Like, after the week, can you go straight back into Poco? Like, you don't need some processing time? or? I mean, I don't think it works like that with me personally because my emotions are very... Um, uh, my emotions are very... They... Uh, my, my emotions equalize quite fast. But that's just me, I think. I'm not so much in like this fluid emotional state as most people. Yeah. Um, maybe maybe I think I'm unique. I'm not sure. Uh, depends on the person. Of course, we can always get Elliot Rowe on the case in case we get two out of, uh, out of sync from some weird ayahuasca trip or whatever it is. I don't know. Um, I just figured that you might... Uh, have something to say why uh why spain uh i met a girl in barcelona when i was there for ebt barcelona mm -hmm. and ended up leaving halfway through the trip and going to madrid with her and then we were think for the that was like september august 2019 and then we were i was coming to visit every now and then for the next four months or so and then covid happened and i think i was in russia at the time when we started getting the announcements that borders were going to close uh playing poker in sochi and mm -hmm. I had friends saying to me, you know, we don't think, like the government saying two weeks, we don't think it's going to be two weeks. Uh, you know, pick pretty well where you want to lock down because it could be much longer. And they said they're going to close the border to Spain in two days. So we were, you know, I ended up locking down in Spain because it was kind of open-ended and we were like, either we lock down separately and we don't know how long that will be or we lock down in Spain and that's kind of intense for four or five months of dating. But we chose that route and we ended up getting married four or five months ago. Oh, that's not so crazy after four or five months. Uh, yeah, why not? Going to Spain doesn't sound so bad given the the COVID situation, I would think. Spain is quite romantic and pretty place to be, especially in like the spring or whatever it was during COVID. I mean, we weren't allowed. I wasn't allowed out of the house for eight weeks. Oh. So, you know, uh, they were quite strict. Like, there was no exception for exercise or anything. Like, a lot of countries had an hour a day for so weird. walking. I just didn't leave the house for eight weeks. Like, we were allowed to go shopping, but I didn't speak Spanish. So, mm -hmm. Lizzie went to do the shopping most of the time, and I just stayed in the flat. And, you know, chilled out. Uh, okay, I mean... Still, I would think it wouldn't be that bad, but what do I know? I mean, um, it was fine. That was it was like, UK. 
Huh? Yeah, it was it was fine. Like we spent the time together. I think we had a much better time than if I'd locked out somewhere on my own. You did it in London. Yeah, in London we were allowed to like go outside and go to parks and all of that, and it didn't rain that much for some reason. So I discovered all the parks. Spain has some pretty nice parks, by the way. I've been to a couple of them in Madrid. I hope you discover them. If Where not, did you go? Do you remember the parks, Retiro? There was one with like this glass building. Yeah, Retiro. Um, huh? It's called Retiro. Oh, well, there's also one on the hilltop. You must have gone to that one. If you haven't gone to that one, that's a romantic spot to take your yeah camper friend. Yeah, I don't, I don't know their names, but I just remember like it being obvious of a spot, like so obvious that the, that I went there and there's like many couples and all that, yeah, going yeah. on. So you've had the romantic uh, trips, but not the not the mystical trips. Uh, yeah, at the moment, Spain is a bit easier to do the romantic ones. I guess that's true. You could go on the. Uh, the Trail of the Saints up north. It, it's a trail across the entire country that apparently the saints of, like, I don't know, like the past took for a really long time. Maybe there's something mystical up there. St. James Way. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, they just call it the Way in Spain. El, El Camino. Oh. Uh, it's... Yeah, it's like a network of paths. You can start from different points. I think there's points that start. I mean, it's not because it's not just it's not exclusive to Spain. There are part you can do different routes, and you can like go on and join and do a hundred kilometers. Or uh, one of my friends, I think, did like a thousand kilometers over thirty days or something. Uh, but but it's not just Spain. It ends in Spain in Santiago de Compostela, uh, or a little past there. But you go to yeah. that you go to that cathedral. But I think there are, I mean, there's one of the walks starts in France and ends there. Uh, you can go from different parts of Europe, these like old pilgrimage routes. Uh, yeah, that is definitely on the list and I think would be somewhat spiritual. I mean, I've had, I've heard only amazing things from people who have done it. Uh, quite a lot of people like to do it alone as well i mean you know you can do it as a group and i think that's probably more common but quite a few of my friends here have done long stretches of it alone which is meant to be quite an experience um getting me to want to do it actually that we're talking about it i may do it eventually i don't know when i mean um, i think i almost think, did it a couple of times i think you can just do tester ones you know because it's i don't know how long the longest is but my friend that did a thousand kilometers of it didn't do the whole thing. So you can kind of tailor it. You can, well, I mean like the test would be the two, you know, like you can just go and do two or three days where you just do a 50 or a hundred kilometers. Uh, and you start pretty near to Santiago and, and that, but, uh, you know, you could do a little like teaser one. See if teaser, you, see if you like it. Kilometers, hundred kilometers. Yeah, I don't know how you are of walking. Either. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm kidding. I, I might. I might, actually. I could see myself doing it in the future. We'll see what, uh, yeah, what dates. I have to, like, figure out how to organize all this stuff these days. 
Um, but uh, yeah, hopefully some mystical stuff is alongside that trail, I guess. Um, yeah, so what's uh, what other plans do you have besides poker? Is it just poker in the future, or what's going on? Are you going to use your math degree? Uh, going to settle to stay in Spain forever? Yeah, there's a lot of questions around that, I guess. I mean, Spain's... I, re I really like Spain. It's a little... It's tough on poker. They're not very mm -hmm. poker-friendly. Um, and... They haven't been incredibly immigration friendly. Uh, I think the marriage helps that now. And the plan is to stay here longer term. Uh, at the moment, I'm here like five months a year. I think after poker, I will probably be here for longer. Um, you know, when I stop traveling. Mm -hmm. And then... Yeah, I'll have to see, to be honest. I guess things are a bit easier these days with remote work. Like, I'm not sure what my work options would be in Spain, given the language. Uh, my Spanish is getting a lot better now. But I still feel like, at the moment at least, it would definitely be restrictive in which jobs I could have. But, uh, I mean, I, I was... You said, why do I have to? You're going to get a job, you're saying. Uh... To some extent, yeah. I mean, ideally, I would like to do something in charity uh, with... Like, at the moment, I do some stuff with an animal charity, but it's very limited, and most of my time is spent in poker, and uh, my contribution is kind of limited to giving money at the moment. Um, which, to be fair, is like kind of what they want because you know if you can give money it's better than you going and working there they can maybe employ more people um but in the future i would like to be more involved whether that's being having a more active role at a already set up charity like that or founding something myself um i don't know whether there will be something in between poker and that like i've been asked by some friends to do other stuff and quite a lot of things that people offer you to do because you're good at poker seem actually quite intense and not like a step down from how competitive poker is. Like I've been offered like trading uh, at a small firm and the hours and amount of work that was taken was more than poker. Hmm. and I'm not sure I would like I love poker so much and I love the freedom that I think if I was going to go into something that was even more hours I'd probably just do that in poker you know just put more hours in poker yeah so charity and poker that's the plan currently uh, by the way apparently Gandhi uh, was quite shy himself but he uh, felt the he felt uh, the the, the the how do you say the force of injustice and he decided that Bill, apparently this really resonated with him and this is what made him uh, grow up and be like someone who's an, a strong advocate and not so shy and quite confident in the face of injustice um, and 
uh, a lot of it looks at least to me a lot of like making an impact really is a similar skill set in i guess you could say debugging your poker game and debugging like a computer program at least this is my interpretation because there's a lot of things going on right and you have to figure out what's going wrong in the entire system um and there's like various social things going wrong in the system and you have to figure out which ones need to be fixed at this kind of systematic level yeah, uh, yeah. and like somehow filter out between the noise um and the things that matter um and like be quite strategic where where you fix things so it may be relevant to make up the making a positive impact may be quite relevant to a poker and all that i mean it certainly requires to make a deep and lasting one it requires more than simply you know that 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 good intention of want to do good is quite important but it requires more than that it requires like critical thinking yeah i mean i think there's uh yeah i mean i think it's like you said of when you're looking at your own poker game of having to be able to view like the big picture and where the problems are starting from i think it's easy to like want to treat symptoms as if they're problems you know like you see something going wrong and you like look into that whereas it might be coming from like four or five steps before that yeah uh and i think that like you said takes a lot of work to get right uh it can just the right kind of work right i mean i don't i don't know enough about i mean they you know like Sadhguru's got his inner engineering thing i think stuff like that's like quite good or like uh fixing you know the planetary environment by fixing the soil might be another thing that's quite good i've enjoyed his books um or enjoyed his book on karma he has some ideas that are kind of remind me about how poker works or about how like equity works in poker um and how like karma just reminds me basically of how uh ranges in poker work and the equity from them it reminds me of a very sim similar principle um it's just the kind of thinking that most people aren't used to that really helps it requires yeah it just requires like some degree I, I think it requires a lot of like analytical thinking and like putting that into action and um not being too focused on symptoms that like you said are things on the outside that uh they matter but they're not fixing them what isn't gonna solve the real problem yeah i mean you also then need an ability to explain that well to other people right because you you understanding a problem very well doesn't in itself change anything that can be true like, because you need the help of other people yeah most of the time you need you know in some cases a lot of other people right we live in a democracy and things get voted on like you need to are you gonna would you like to join the uh join the force maybe maybe that's the thing after poker yeah maybe did you know that their uh, rational effective giving at least was located in London for a while? I don't know what they're doing these days. Uh, if you were going to fix one problem, which one would it be? Which one are you most passionate about? Uh, I mean, the animal welfare stuff for me is like 
the thing that I focus most on. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think it's a huge issue in terms of the amount of suffering, and I think it's one of the things that is least cared about by the population. I think it's like a, a very low amount of time and money that is put into charitable work is done for animals and a lot of that is like you know cats and dogs shelters of like these few animals that we have an emotional attachment to because we've domesticated them uh, and I think that you know when you look at the amount of chickens that are raised and slaughtered every year in like terrible ways for you know six months to a year before they die and like the billions of that that's happening every year uh, I feel like it's pretty almost completely ignored like relatively to other issues hmm. uh, I mean yeah that does make sense I, I don't I don't know a ton about it but yeah that does uh, make a lot of sense so uh, yeah I mean at, at the moment that's and I, to be fair, I, the thing you said about Gandhi being shy, but like not being for that, uh, I relate to that in some way of I was always very shy. And when it comes to that, I am not, you know, completely different. I'm still me, but less so. Like I'm more willing to be confrontational when it comes to that uh, and have much more of a feeling that it's you know a much bigger or more important thing than like me feeling slightly uncomfortable no i agree too actually um i've been a bit the same way uh i had to yeah i would say i'm a bit the same way or at least i would be unmotivated a lot to not have some kind of uh, purpose for fixing these kinds of issues maybe that makes sense uh, what do you mean? Okay. I don't think. Huh? So. I, well, maybe I'm just misunderstanding. But uh, you mean un, you'd be unmotivated for like just in general? Uh, I would say. Well, I remember, for example. Um, well, it just seems to me. I mean, it just comes back to this idea of like needing a purpose to do something. At least that's really relevant for myself. Yeah. Uh, okay. Whereas. I mean, this would be one of the reasons why I might be awkward at times is I would just be like, not know what to talk about. Like, this is a reason why people can be awkward. Um, but if there is like a common purpose or a reason to be, or like a strong feeling of like why we're doing something, then it makes more sense to not be awkward, especially when like something wrong is happening and it shouldn't happen. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's uh, the best example. I can think of. Uh, apparently, uh, for another example would be uh, like I learned karate when I was a little kid, and I was pretty bad at it. And my parents asked me. I think my dad asked me, or someone asked me, "Don't you want to punch something?" And I, I just was like, uh, "No, not really." <laughs> um, but uh, you know, if there's if there's a someone to punch with a, a verbal with a verbal assault of sorts, um, assault's a bit of a strong word, then there's more of a reason. 
Yeah, uh, I understand. That's my metaphor for you. So, do you have one thing then? Like, you asked me if I have one thing I would change or work on? I think the education system needs to be changed for a lot of different reasons. Um, that's where I decided to put my focus on. I think that, uh, I even think that a lot of charity is a bit misdirected. I think definitely, actually, if you think about it, some charitable causes for animals are actually more better for than for people, depending on what they are. Um, for example, I mean, it depends on what they are. An extreme example would be like, like raising a fund to give money away to people with various issues, because then you'd be fueling the people with those issues if they had like a drug addiction or something like that, and it would actually be worse for them than uh, than not doing anything even though the intention's good. Whereas helping the animals is better for the environment on the whole. Like, it, the animals don't exactly do anything wrong, right? They're, they're animals. The only people, thing, things that can do anything wrong are people. Um, and part of solving that is in the educational system, is educating people, okay, well, we need to use money appropriately and wisely and uh, use it in the right direction, so there's that. And then... Um, there's a lot of the, the things that people are doing. I just think basically that uh, the people's perspective on education is wrong and that it's not effective and waste a ton of time. Uh, and yeah, it's, it's also a complicated problem. That's one of the biggest ones. Uh, I think there's also a lot of like people, another issue is um, I think men and women are kind of going to war with each other in the USA and in the UK especially and a couple other places uh, that's a really complicated problem as well and it's going to cause like tons and tons of problems if not fixed so yeah. it's those two things yeah. you have any idea how to approach the education one? Um, because it's yes, like the, cur the cur I assume it's you have like an issue mainly with the curriculum right? Uh, yeah, uh, there's that. Uh, there's a few different problems. One is, yes, the whole idea of a structured curriculum I don't think is good. I think the whole process should be a bit looser and a bit more oriented around... I mean, maybe, like, people need to use, like, various ba basics, but it should be more oriented around, like, like, what exactly kids want to do. And uh, to be more like... I mean, like, college is a better better way of doing things, except that college itself is too expensive and impractical. Like, if, like, that kind of format was used, but more open-ended, and, um, I mean, I'm not quite educated enough to say, but it seems like a more open-ended and, um, you know, viable one uh, at a younger age would make a lot of sense instead of, like, teaching kids a bunch of useless shit. Um, yeah. That's a lot of the country's own propaganda. So there's that. I mean, I think sports, etc., should be... I mean, they are pushed quite a decent amount. It's just um, doesn't look like the education around that is really uh, developed that much. I don't know. Um, that's one of the things. I mean, a lot of data in third world countries is necessary as well. Uh, possibly the administering of certain kinds of personality, personality tests to like kind of guide kids towards like what they want to do. Uh, education towards the right kind of values is very important as well. Some of this happens naturally. Um, well, a lot of it happens naturally through many of the popular movies. Um, 
and like media. This is actually one way in games. There's a lot of like, like uh, morals, etc., that make it through a lot of these different things. Um, and I think these are actually some of the most effective ways to teach. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so that's why I'm, you know, the podcast is also supposed to be along these lines as well. Uh, education through media and entertainment. Maybe dressing up as characters is, might help as well. Putting on shows and uh, telling stories. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of routes to go, to go down. I guess. More Lots of stuff. More so these days as well. So, yeah. You know, couldn't really do this twenty years ago, right? Uh. Guess that's true. When you think about it, I guess that's true. Yeah, very easy um, these days. Ben, I want to ask you a couple of questions that you may not have been asked before on an interview. Are you ready? Sure, go for it. What's your biggest regret? Biggest regret? I have not been asked that before. Uh, well, I warned you. I mean, I don't... I don't have any like specific huge one that I think is that like comes to mind as you know oh I really regret this and I don't have three or four that I'm like oh I've just got to like pick one of these uh I don't think I'm that I don't know what the word is regretful in general as a person like I regret stuff in the short term quite a lot like I'm quite perfectionist with with poker and I can make, if I make decisions in poker that I think were bad, it will annoy me for a long, longer time, like multiple weeks, you know, just thinking about a specific hand. But Those in terms regrets. of like, in terms of like big life regrets, I don't have any like, uh, I'm quite of the belief that like you can't separate things and I'm happy with where my life is at the moment. And that makes it very hard for me to regret any of the past decisions because I don't know what that would have changed. Like, I mean, I, I played a terrible hand of poker uh, and a pretty bad day of poker in Barcelona. And I never, I don't really go out or drink on the trips. And that day I was like, nope, I'm not playing tomorrow and I'm gonna go out and drink and forget about poker. And then that was the night that I met my wife in a bar in Barcelona. Uh, oh, nice. And, you know, I'm sure at the time, if I hadn't met her, I would have been tilted about that day for a good month after. But, uh, you know, it's hard to be... Yeah, I'm happy with where I am now. So it makes it tough to regret much at all, you know? I don't know where you stand on that. That makes sense. That makes sense. It's hard to know those two are related, but yeah. I mean, if you change one, the other changes for sure. So, sure. Okay. No regrets. Uh, other than maybe some poker hand mistakes. Okay, yeah, so... There's always some poker regrets. Another question. Uh, what's your biggest pet peeve? Uh... Wait, these are tough questions. 
Um, I warned you. Yeah, they they see they feel like they should be easy questions, but uh, I think being like rude in general, especially to people that you're working with or that people perceive as working for them, like you know where when people are rude to like the poker example would be rude to dealers and stuff and just life. I think the common one is like rude to waiters in restaurants mm -hmm. or people uh you know at the helping in a sh like who are working in a shop uh that bothers me an absurd amount it's uh, a good one we can fight for that uh in the political campaign no more ruinous yeah that's uh i think a big one it's a big education one right yeah, it is actually. You're right. Um, well, we can start with poker education. Don't be rude to dealers and rude in general. Get angry, uh, which I've broken, but I changed for the most part. Um, no, I don't believe in rudeness. Um, this podcast is anti-rudeness for all those who may who may concern. Yeah. All right. One more. How good are you at keeping secrets? Uh, I think very good. That's what I figured. I have. Just don't seem like. Huh? Yeah. I. I. I think it's kind of screwed me sometimes in the past because I've projected that onto other people and told people stuff that was very private that I assumed was not hard to not tell other people and it turned out that I was very wrong in some of those instances uh, but yeah I I don't really understand like if someone tells me something and tells me not to tell someone that's kind of it like I have no desire to break that and not really any temptation so I think pretty good. As long as it's clear that it's a secret, you know, it's always. Sure. You? Uh, I think I'm pretty good these days. I learned to be good at it. Learned to be very watchful of the things that I say. You learned the hard uh, way. Is more, huh? You learned the hard way. It sounds. Well, it's more that it, it's more that I I was careless a bit with certain information back in the day um, and I just learned to like watch what I say more so that I wouldn't be careless yeah that makes sense and I'm not like running around telling people's business so um, yeah I don't think I've been asked that in a very long time um, one last question who's the poker player that you admire the most I think maybe Badziakowski. Oh, why him? I mean, I, I think, I mean, my head went to like a most impressed by, I don't know whether like admire and, but the, uh, I think he's just very, very good at poker. 
and also very like independent like Grey willing to do what he thinks is good and I think a lot of people in poker struggle with that of wanting to do what they think is good but also wanting to do what they think their peers think is good which are not always aligned and I think that he oh, does sure. he does both like he just does what he thinks is good and mm-hmm. uh, yeah he's kind of crushed multiple formats uh, is like very friendly and not very egoy. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I just like most of the things of how he approaches poker. I think. Yeah. Oh, makes sense. Yeah, all seem like true things. Do you have someone? Not sure. I'd like to emulate. Hmm. Hmm. I'd like to em- emulate Chidwick's work ethic. Yeah. I don't have that. I'm, n- I'm not very... What I don't have is I'm not very um, disciplined with my movements. Or I don't exactly have that capa- capacity. Uh, maybe if I work at it, I can. Or, like, I'm not, like, a good student, exactly. It's more like I had, like, a ton of... Um, I mean, I, I can be... It, decent student but I had like a ton of like ability uh, and just mostly relied on that a lot but it would be good to have also the good uh, study habits and things like this at least to a degree it's, um, it's not too good to rely on pure talent as people like Isildur found out yeah I mean I wanted to ask you actually how you found coming because you've played mostly cash right through your career like mix mm-hmm. mix games and no limit cash. Yeah. Like, how did you find coming to? You played. I mean, we played some in the two hundred k together in mm-hmm. Cyprus recently. I don't know how many tournaments you've played. I think we played maybe once in Vegas as well. Like, how do you find coming to the tournaments just... and going off like, you know? In... I mean, I've been playing tournaments for a while, just not that seriously. They're not that different from cash games, really. I mean, they they are once you start getting close to the bubble and all that, uh, and like at the final table. Yeah. But other than that, uh, yeah, it's it's a little bit different. Uh, I find cash games much more fun for sure. Um, in tournaments, I really have to like dig deep for the the fun, you could say. Other than that, whatever. I feel like I'll I'll be the I'll be the spice of the tournaments. Need more spicy people. I'm happy to be the spice. I guess you have some from live poker, but like in tournaments compared to online cash at least, or like tough high stakes live cash, there's a lot more multi-way stuff as well, right? I wonder, do you find it, like do you learn a lot by repetition or? Cause I, you have to, I get it. I, I don't really, st- I, I more like get in there, make a bunch of mistakes and then learn after that. Yeah, okay. Uh, that answers your question. Yeah. So is that is that your plan for for final tables? Uh, I'm gonna spice things up. Get it, get in there, make a bunch of mistakes, and destiny that shit. <laughs> it's tough, you know. Destiny and spice. That's worked so far for me. It's, that's an edge that most people don't have. So yeah, uh, I'm gonna keep riding that wave. 
Yeah, yeah and yeah. also probably some studying as well. <laughs> some some math will get in there too. If I'm really honest, whatever. A little bit of it's, it'll mix. It'll be a mixed bag. It won't be just all the boring math stuff. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, we've got to go. But uh, anything else you want to add before we finish? Uh, I don't think so. Save the animals. Yeah. Save the animals. Don't eat as many of them. Okay. I can agree with that. One day I'll stop eating meat. Very likely as well. I'm not quite there, but it's also very hard with all the other things I'm doing. Very practical. But yeah, we'll get. We'll work on the animal saving. Yeah. Right. Thank you, Ben. Thank you. Thank you.